welcome back to Kintsugi Talk Podcast. We have a very special guest. I'm going to give a quick little bio of our guest. He is the host of Where Did You See God's Podcast. It is also a website. He is a shepherd of God, an innocent minister with Youth with a Mission in Richmond, Virginia. He is president of New Vision Civic League, and he is a husband and father of three beautiful kids. Please welcome Paul Granger. Hello, it's great to be here. Excited to have this conversation. Yes, I'm so, so excited. Um, the conversation that we had, like, it doesn't even seem like it was a week ago. It seemed like it was only like a few days ago, but it was, it was such a fulfilling conversation and what we talked about was amazing and I can't wait for the listeners to hear what we're going to talk about today. So, Where Did You See God? Again, is your podcast and I've listened to a few episodes myself. I still listen to a few episodes on my own time and it is such a refreshing thing to just see people from all walks of life just kind of share their sentiment of like this is where like kind of like where I saw God or like where God met me like where I was so I'm pretty sure the people are wondering where did you see God or like where what was that moment where God met you where you were at yeah well I mean I grew up always knowing that God existed but in the early years it was because I was told that God existed right I grew up going to the church I'm most of my interactions were with people who were Christians and really it wasn't until middle school that I realized that maybe there's something personal about this God. Maybe there's some element of this where it's not just this is a label that I put on my shirt, uh, but it's a relationship. And the, the first moment that I can recall really started to think like that was back in middle school. I had a close friend, his family were strong Christians, he was a strong Christian, and he got a haircut one weekend and came into school on Monday. And it was an interesting choice because he decided he wanted to publicly show his faith by having his dad shave a cross in his head. And so he's walking into the gym in the morning before we go to homeroom, and from afar you can see this cross on his head. Now again, we're in middle school and middle school boys can be relentless on making fun of anything different (laughs) and so i'm seeing my friend walk forward and i'm like oh no like this is going to be bad they're going to laugh at him and i was right they started laughing at him as he came and sat down and i knew what my gut instinct was that i should pull him aside get some scissors and and get that off of his head this was not his gut instinct What he said to me was something to the effect of, I know they're laughing, but this is something I believe in and I'm not going to just shave it off because people are laughing at me. My faith's important to me. And I'd never really seen somebody stand up for their faith. And it really struck me that for my friend, what he believed about God was not just personal, but was important enough to him that he was willing to be laughed at for it that this was something that he was willing to experience hardship over. And I was like, I don't, I've never experienced hardship because of my faith. And I don't even know if I'd want to, because I, I really need to think about what this means for me. And that was the start really of my journey of coming to know God in a personal way. 
And I believe God was in that moment. And I began to, because I was starting to look for him, I began to see him more often as I went through high school and in college and eventually into my adult life. It started to become more and more uh, something that influenced not just what happened around me, but how I understood the things happening around me. That's so good, so good. Um, Cause I know for me in middle school, um, I mean, I was I was actually bullied in middle school, and I did the prayer of salvation when I was twelve. I was like sixth grade, going into seventh grade. But like how you said, like you didn't really know like having like a personal relationship with God till later on. And it's the same for me. I didn't get a personal relationship with God until I was like eighteen. So until I was in high school, so there was about a six-year gap, and. Um, it's a it's a testament to your friend that they were willing to be made fun of because like they didn't care it's like i love god that's it i'm gonna show it how i'm gonna show it um it's a very creative way to show <laughs> to show your face um i don't think many people will do that nowadays well well i think probably the most creative way people do it now is probably with tattoos i would yeah. say tattoos clothing things of that nature um, now, uh, I had mentioned that you are a shepherd of God. Now, being a shepherd is one of those, those, um, leadership type gift roles that is not really talked about a lot. We hear a lot about teachers, we hear a lot about pastors, but we don't hear a lot about, um, the shepherd. So could you go in depth of what a shepherd is? And how does that look in your life? Yeah. So, you know, that comes from a passage, and I believe it's in Ephesians, but it's talking about the fivefold gifts, right? The apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. And these are all things that God has kind of given us access to, gifts. But I would even push it further to say it's ways of seeing and understanding the world that he's given us access to so that not only can we draw closer to God, but we can equip others to draw closer to God. And it, it really is one of those things that it's not just a personal thing. It, it's intended to be something that forges this idea of what community looks like, what the church looks like. And I think you're completely right that we really do hone in on certain gifts. And this honestly could be not necessarily a human thing as far as what specific ones we hone into but like a cultural thing different cultures value different things and in american culture we really latch on to the conveyance of information so this is where the teaching gift really thrives the way that the teacher sees the world is their minds are attracted to and drawn to these new ways of understand uh, understanding god these deeper ways of understanding god and then they have this natural ability to take this information, to pull it in and then to send it out. And the best teachers we know, this is what we know about them, right? They take a concept that we don't even know about, we can't grasp, and they're able to take it, do something in their head and then give it back to us in a palatable way, in an accessible way. And we love that. Culturally, that is some of the most famous pastors are the ones that can do that. We love the teaching gift because we love 
stuff being given to us. And then we had this nice package thing. We had those three points and like, we can sit with that and yeah. And then, you know, something like the apostle, you know, we're really drawn to like the entrepreneur, the person who can naturally see somewhere that we could go, something that we could do and has the natural drive and ability to drive forward into that. The evangelist, you know, that's something that's celebrated in a lot of churches, but it's also something that a lot of people are scared of. And we like to leave it to the people who we assume are, oh, they're just naturally outgoing or they're comfortable going to strangers. But the evangelist gift is the person is given this unique ability to see people that others might not see and to have this natural desire and ability to step forward and talk to them. So it's not even about being an outgoing person. It's about how the spirit can guide us to see those interactions and be willing to step into them. And you get into, you know, Acts and it talks about times when the Holy Spirit gave words to person like, Peter and Stephen, they had moments where they said things that others were like, wow, where's this coming from? Like the spirit can give us words for those interactions. Well, the shepherding gift is typically undervalued. It is seen as like a nice but supplemental thing. And a lot of pastors actually struggle with this piece because a lot of pastors are drawn to that teaching piece and they love to be able to convey truth from the pulpit but then when people are expecting them to also provide pastoral care it can feel like a burden for the shepherding gift what that ends up playing out as is i believe god gives certain people the unique ability to see again people that others might not see but also to see deeper into who they are so we like to do broad sweeps right and so if there's somebody doing some something bad we're like oh they're that person is doing a bad thing they're a bad person the shepherding gift allows somebody to say, well, maybe I shouldn't broad sweep and say they're bad. Maybe there's something else going on. Or I can tell that even though they're acting angry, I, I sense there's some sadness within them, right? And then it, there's this capacity to be willing to step into those spaces. And the biggest piece is the long game journey. So we're talking about shepherds, right? The shepherd doesn't just say to the sheep, hey, you need grass, there's grass over there, go get it. Or the shepherd doesn't say, all right, I'm just gonna build you a pastor right here. No, what the shepherd does is walk with the sheep, journey with the sheep. The shepherd knows that the sheep need water, so he knows where the next creek is and he walks with them through it. It's this journeying with. And that's one of the most challenging, but one of the most beautiful pieces of shepherding is, it's not just, oh, you're having a problem? Well, here's what I did to fix it, bye. It's, I'm gonna sit with you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to listen through what's going on. And together, we're going to listen for God. What could God be saying in all of this? And so that's something that early on, I didn't recognize it as the shepherding gift. But when I look back in my life, I can see that God had placed in me the natural ability, sometimes without me realizing it, of being able to sit with people, sit with people that uh, had different experiences or understandings than me, to be able to process life with people. And as I pressed into that more, and as I learned about how more and more this was God working in me rather than something I was good at, it allowed me to hone it into realizing, oh, the shepherding gift is my opportunity to not be a good counselor or be a good listener, but to be willing to be positioned by God in spaces and alongside people so that he can then meet them in that space. He can love through me. I could be a conduit of his love and wisdom rather than me being the source of it. 
Yeah, it it definitely takes a lot of humility, I would say, to allow yourself to be in that position. Where it's like, obviously, it's not about us. It's never about us in the in the first place. We're just vessels that we have the honor and privilege to be used by God in ways like that to be able to see with a point of view that not many people have the ability to. I know there, there's definitely been moments I've had where I could be, I live in New York City, so um, the transit is my best friend. Um, I'm on the transit, I think, for, I think for as many hours as I'm like at work within like a whole week. So you encounter many different people every day. And there's times where like I could be in a very relaxed mood, I'm calm, I got my music in or I'm listening to a podcast. And then out of nowhere, I start to feel angry or I start to feel an emotion that I did not wake up feeling this way. And so I have to look around and I'm like, who's upset? Who, who, who's not, who, something is wrong with somebody on this train. And was there time that I was scared to act on it and like not look for the person who it was and talk to them? Yes. Did I get rebuked for that by the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. <laughs> but in the moments where I did like hone in and listen to it, I just had genuine conversations with these people. I think the most recent time was about two weeks ago. Like I was in a good mood and then all of a sudden I just felt like air just this fear came in me and then I look around the train and I see this young woman who, who looked like she was around my age crying just silently crying in the corner and she's shaking and so I go up to her and I'm like do you mind if I sit with you and she's like why would you want to sit with me and I'm like because you're you need some company right now you have a lot of fear in you over something I don't know what that is you don't have to tell me what it is but I'm willing to sit with you so you can be comfortable. And then she just like cried and she even like laid her head on my shoulder and she was just like crying, crying. And she, she didn't talk about what she was dealing with, but she needed that moment. And I was happy that I was able to give that to her. So I don't know if that was me acting on a shepherding gift, but it's something that happens to me like every now and then. And I believe if people really awaken the, the compassion that we were called to have, towards people and to really be more humble and empathetic and sympathetic towards people then yeah. I think people will have a greater understanding of like oh like the shepherding gift um is like kind of in all of us but it's like it's kind of necessary to be able to like understand and work in that gift every day because we encounter people every day yeah yeah when I think what's beautiful is, like I think this is this is the challenge for us. I think you said it well that it is a gift that's within all of us. But I think our challenge is is we tend to assume that there's one thing that we're good at, and then there's things that other people are good at, and so let's let the other people do the other things, and then we'll do the things that we're good at. And the reality is is that. Yes, there are things that we are uniquely equipped for, and we should be willing to step into those and thrive in those. But there's plenty of examples in scripture of somebody being called to do something they were not good at. 
take Moses, for example, God called Moses to go and talk to Pharaoh. And Moses's response to him was, well, I'm not good at talking, <laughs> right? Like, did he think that God didn't know how he created him? God knew how good or not good Moses was at talking. That wasn't what God was, God wasn't saying to Moses, hey, what are you good at? And how can we use that for Pharaoh? No, he gave him, him an invitation. And we are prone to turn down invitations from God because we assume that's not my thing. I'm not good at it. No, like in the moments where God invites you to thrive in your gifts, great, that's fantastic. But in the moments he's inviting you to something else, your invitation is to trust his capacity rather than yours. And what better opportunity to see God at work than to step into that. And then when God works, you can be fully confident, oh, that was not me. I wanted to pull up uh, the passage where it talks about this. And let's see. So it's in Ephesians 4. And Ephesians 4 talks a lot about unity. Um, you know, it's the unity in the body of Christ. So I'm going to skip ahead to verse 11, where it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature personhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so there's a lot in there, right? But even that verse 14, that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. I mean, we're, we're seeing that all around us, right? It's been going on throughout human history, but I think all of us are very aware of how easily, we're very aware of how easily others are tossed to and fro by, you know, every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by deceitful schemes. But sometimes if we're humble, we can recognize how we're tossed to and fro by what we've heard or what we think is true. And what God's given us is the ability to not be caught up in that. But where we can get tripped up is we can make this a solo endeavor. Like, oh, Ephesians 4 is for me and my relationship with God. So God's gave me this gift and I'm gonna live into this gift and it's gonna be great. No, this thing is, it, the header is unity in the body of Christ. It's not just unity of me with God, it's unity in the body of Christ. And these gifts were given to us so that as it says, we can equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. The idea is that these gifts exist, not just to build ourselves up, but more so that we can build others up, that God can use these gifts within us to build up others, to connect us. And it talks about a body connected with the joints and all these pieces. And then, then as we are connected, then we can grow together closer to God. And what's beautiful is this mentions it in terms of some were given to this, some were given to this. But like we were saying, the idea here is that as the equipping is happening, then someone who is gifted in teaching is equipping someone else to be gifted in teaching. So when you are in relationship with people who have these gifts, 
then it can awaken within you the same gifts. You may still always be much stronger in one of those five, but that doesn't mean you are only doing that one. <laughs> it means you can continue to thrive in that, but allow God to build up these other gifts. Like allow God to work in these gifts through you in spite of you at times, because at the end of the day, it's not about you or me or what we're good at or what we like. It's about our willingness to let God work through us so that all the glory goes to him and not to us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's so good for anyone who is probably in the point of their life, like where they're, where like they just want to know, like probably like what they can do for God, because everyone has a talent for something. But I believe that there's a difference between like being talented at something and being gifted at something. I believe those are very different things. Like you can have a talent for um, for things of like, let's say you have a talent for like reading music or like being like good at certain things with music. Doesn't mean you were called to be a musician. You could be good with things in music. That doesn't mean that's what you were called to do. Like someone could possibly have um, prophetic things about them, about their like character or their nature doesn't mean they were called to be prophets. And I think it's important again to like realize that like it's not about us. And once we like the the one kind of picture that I always like using is that like we are like a, a funnel and then God is pouring through us and it's like we have to not allow the funnel to be blocked by anything we have to make sure it's just a clear passageway for God to like flow through us and flow out yeah. um yeah well and I'll add to that that's why scripture talks about humility so much and speaks against pride so much because what can happen is we tap into these gifts and then we begin to see God work through it and then we begin to start to feel pretty good about ourselves this is what we've seen with pastors who become uh you know really renowned right the danger we've seen that some pastors have run into when they become celebrities is it becomes about them and then suddenly like they're operating in of themselves and when we operate in of ourselves it's just a, a short step for us to suddenly step into some bad things right we see that with david david was a man after god's own heart given tremendous gifts god worked through him in beautiful tremendous ways at some point david's eyes started looking at himself a little more than it was looking at god and then his eyes started looking at bathsheba a little more than they should have been right it was a short step when we're focused on pride and so you know part of the way we do this is when we begin to see the ways that god is working through us we begin to see the way that he equips us we've got to inject that humility regularly so practically you know, you mentioned that I have a podcast and you've listened to a couple of the episodes. You mentioned that you liked them. Well, somebody could come from that point and decide, oh, therefore, Paul is good at podcasting. I can tell you right now, this podcast that I do doesn't exist because I wanted to do podcast because I thought I was good at podcasting. Like, I don't even want to put my business out there like that. It exists because I felt like God invited me to it. And because I know that it's God doing it, I know that at any given point, he could tell me to stop, he could tell me to keep going. But also each and every episode, 
is just drenched in prayer. Like that's one thing I love before you and I started recording, you're like, we're gonna pray before we start. That's one thing that I do with all of my episodes because I know that if if God's not in this, then it's just on me. And maybe, maybe I'm good at certain things, but to what extent, for how long? What if I'm having a bad day? Versus I could be having the absolute worst day in the world, but then God can come in and take a conversation where it never could have gone before. And so within me, I, you know, I've recognized my capacity to sit with people and process God. That's a lot of what my, that's the bulk of what my podcast is, is an authentic conversation processing God. But I've had moments even before the podcast where I used to run internships and I knew that these young adults who were coming into this really hard space needed to have a regular spiritual touch point. And so I provided that and basically just sit down 30 minutes. Let's talk about what God's up to. The more I recognized I needed to have humility as a regular part of it, the more sensitive I became to the moments where it was God talking or when it was me talking. You know, when the conversation was going a direction because God was guiding it or when it was me guiding it. And it came to the point where I began to recognize in my own head moments where I'm like, oh man, this is me talking right now. Now, it doesn't mean what I'm saying is bad. It doesn't mean that it's wrong that I'm talking. But one of my favorite uh, often overlooked parts of the scripture is when the Apostle Paul is talking in one of his letters about all these things God's inviting us to. And then he has moments where he's like, okay, now this is me talking, not God. This is what I think, right? He had the humility to own that there are things that he believed, but he knew that he couldn't just attach that to God, that it may not actually be God. And so for my podcast, I've had to recognize that any success, any good conversations are a result of God and his spirit and how God can work. And I've got to be willing to hold things loosely, to step out of the way when necessary. And sometimes that takes the form of, man, I really hope this guest talks about this, but I'm not going to force this topic on them. And if the conversation doesn't go there, then I got to be willing to take that loss. Or even recently, episode I just released yesterday, uh, from the very start, the guest started talking about how identity can play into healing. And I've already had a couple episodes on identity and healing. I'm like, man, I can't have another one. That's going to be repetitive. But God had to prompt me to be like, let me take this where I want to take it, Paul, because I know better than you who you're talking to and what I could do with this. And he took it in a very different direction, in a very important direction. So it's a two-piece thing. You know, we're treading constantly in, in humanity this spectrum between pride, where I'm the best, I know the best, I could do all the things, I don't need anyone else, to fear. Like, I'm not good enough. I, I don't know anything. I can't do anything. And our invitation is to walk this balance towards God, right? To say at any given moment, okay, I need to be careful that I don't get prideful about what God's inviting me into, or else I could end up stepping away from God. Or I need to be careful not to avoid things God's inviting me into because I don't think I can do it, or I know that I can't do it, or I know I don't have the capacity. It's to say, whatever God's inviting me into, it's because of his strength and wisdom and power and not mine. And so I'm going to continue to step, but that's daily. So it's an invitation for the person who doesn't feel like they're good enough or Christian enough or gifted enough. Doesn't matter because God is. So are you willing to let him work through you? And a challenge for the person who's like, oh yeah, no, like 
people are calling me for conferences and I'm this, is to say, hey, slow down, Skippy, <laughs> because it's not you, it's God. Yeah, beautiful, everything you just said. And one thing that just came to mind is like, cause you were brought up of like inviting God in. And I believe inviting God is the key to just unlocking so many things that, cause God already has so much, well, not even just much of it, all of our life predestined. And it's up to us to invite God in to be like, okay, I'm ready to see everything that you already have for me. And again, it goes back to like being humble and willing to just like take ourselves out of the equation um, and to realize that we are nothing without God. We cannot do anything apart from him because his ways are greater than our ways. His thoughts are far greater, far smarter than our thoughts. Um, one uh, quote that I heard yesterday that I thought about um, was, it, it was it was something about like making plans that is like, oh, like if you want to make God laugh, like try to make your own plans, <laughs> which I think is, which I think is true because it's like God is looking at us like trying to come up with these plans like. I remember in, in middle school, an assignment they had us do was to make a timeline from, at that point, I was like seventh, eighth grade, to how we saw our life going for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. And of course, I wrote down that I was like, oh, I'm going to go to high school, I'm going to play volleyball. Um, I'm gonna, because I wanted to go to a performing arts high school, so I was like, oh, I want to go for singing, and then when I get to college, I'm gonna go to, like, the best performing arts college and all this stuff. None of that happened. (laughs) Mm -hmm. None of that happened. None of it, none of it at all. Um, and it's not to say that that plan wasn't a good plan. It wasn't Mm -hmm. God's plan. That's what matters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and sometimes sometimes we struggle with this because we know for a fact that our plans were good plans. Like we're looking at it and we're like, here's all the information. And I know that this would be the best way for things to go. And the problem is, is that we only see, understand, grasp a small piece, a small piece of actual reality. So. For example, to what you were saying, you know, come up with a 10 year plan. You know, what we have at our disposal is what do I want to do? How good am I at it? What do I need to do to get better? Like, it's all about how can I progress? How can I climb up the ladder? And as long as we know all the factors, we can make a good plan to go forward. Well, what we don't know very practically is what if a global pandemic happens and the whole world shuts down? Like. Up until that point, none of us had ever experienced a global event like that. None of us have ever experienced something where it affected the entire world and literally made us have to stay in our homes, right? Like we did not have that in our framework of understanding. So all the people who had five, 10 year plans, February, 2020, that they were working on, all the ministries, businesses, nonprofits that had their strategic plans, all of that was thrown out the window for most of those people. 
because there is a piece of information that they could never have imagined, right? How much more so when we're talking about a spiritual reality and eternity? Because God's not just looking at how he knows more about earth and humanity than we do, but he knows what he's actually after. And sometimes what he's after is foolishness to man. Sometimes what he's after makes no sense because it looks like loss and failure. Jesus looked like a failure because the disciples were like, cool, here's this guy. He's going to reclaim Jerusalem. So here's what needs to happen. And he needs to amass followers. Great. We're getting more followers. He needs to amass power. Great. We're going to Jerusalem. He's going to show those Pharisees and Sadducees. All right, we're on track. And then Jesus is like, all right, so heads up, I'm going to die. Right? Like that's the complete opposite direction. Like that's failure. Peter rebuked Jesus for saying that. And Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan, because you don't actually know what you're saying right now. I get, Peter, why you think that I shouldn't die. But what you're after, me taking power in Jerusalem for some amount of time, like that is small and silly compared to what I'm trying to do, which is save humanity for eternity. Like I'm trying to give people full life. And so when we're looking at our own lives, we can apply our limited logic to our situations, our limited understanding of how the world works, of what people say and make a path forward or not make a path forward because we don't see a path forward. And this is what I love about, you know, your theme of your podcast, this art of taking broken pieces and inlaying it with the gold to create something new. There are people listening right now that are hearing all this stuff about gifts and feeling like, but you don't know me. You don't know how messed up my life is. You don't know how messed up I am. You don't know how little I think of myself. And I have nothing to offer God. We've got to remember that God is the one who could take little and do abundantly more with it. We see the visual when the disciples are like, Jesus, there's you know thousands of people here. We don't have the food. The only option we have available based on our understanding of life is we got to send them away. Otherwise, they're going to expect us to feed him and we don't have the money for it. So, Jesus, we have to send them away. Jesus' response was, no, you feed them. They're like, there's no way, Jesus. We don't have the money. We don't have the food. And Jesus like, well, what do you have? I don't know. Here's a kid. Hey, kid, what do you have? All right, he's got five loaves and two fish. So I guess a few of us can eat, right? No, Jesus took that little offering from a small child, right? Grown folks, grown men who have been doing ministry with Jesus didn't even offer anything to small child. That was overlooked probably just passing by offered what little he had and jesus not only fed everybody there but they had leftovers they had 12 baskets full of leftovers right so for whoever's listening and feeling like they have nothing to offer fine great because it's not about you being able to offer something other than just yourself as you are and if yourself to you feels insignificant Well, the good news is God created you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. So you are significant to God and he could take that little bit and do something amazing. And what is so beautiful about it is because it's about abundantly more. While our minds say, well, I can't do much because I need to be respected or I need to accomplish this or I need these outcomes. God could be like, but no, I want to use you to reach people that have been neglected. So you know if someone has a lot of broken things in their past what if god wants to use you to reach other people who have broken things in their past and and are often neglected and ignored 
or insulted, but you're able to see and understand because you're like, oh no, I understand brokenness, right? That's the beauty of uh, groups like uh, Alcoholics Anonymous or something like that, where it's people that understand each other and they're able to experience healing from that because they're authentic to who they are. You know, so it's not about us, it's about God, but our invitation, like you said, is to be willing to let God in. The funny part is when you were talking about that, like God already owns the house, right? <laughs> like God, it's it's like if if somebody owned a home and then let their friends rent the home, that that homeowner would have every right to just unlock the door and walk in. Yeah. But most of the time, they will have the courtesy of texting the renter and saying, "Hey, I wanted to come by. Is that okay?" They have every right to just barge in, but they don't out of a love and respect. And in the same way, God has every right to barge in and control our lives. He doesn't. He lets us have ownership over our lives, but reminds us that, hey, but I created you. I created your life. I know where you're heading. And so I am standing here knocking. And if you're willing to let me in, I can take you places that you never would have thought. I could do abundantly more than you could have ever asked for or imagined if you are willing to let me do what I can do. Yes, absolutely. And for people out there who actually want to kind of take it back to the point of you talking about like pastors, um, very kind of like influential people who can get big headed. Um, what is like how like what is like the aside from like pride aside from them possibly having a big ego why do you think that has become such a problem in this generation of pastors teachers apostles where they get to this high level and it's like they just kind of it's it's like a fall from grace almost yeah why do you think that's become such a a pattern yeah a big part of this i feel like is our definition of success our understanding of what is successful and i don't just mean that in a business sense but when we think of if we're authentically seeking god if we ask the question what needs to happen in order for this to be what it's meant to be like it's how we answer that question that becomes the problem there's a passage in scripture where jesus is talking about two roads and there's the well traveled wide road that a lot of people go on. And then there's this narrow path that's hard to see that very few go on. And some it's like, I like to imagine that it's as though, you know, Jesus is walking down the road and we're all walking. And most of us just kind of lock our eyes on the road. Maybe we were following Jesus at first, but then slowly we start to assume, oh, well, Jesus must be going down this road. So then we start looking at the road and the destination because it's a straight road dead ahead. There's the city. That's what we're working towards. Right. And at some point, Jesus goes off the path and starts to walk what looks like into the woods. And those that are actually watching Jesus actually have their eyes on him. Maybe are confused at first. Like, what in the world, Jesus, where are you going? Like Peter, what in the world, Jesus, why are you saying these things? But if we're willing to keep following and trusting Jesus, suddenly we notice, oh, there's a little break in the woods there. It's overgrown and weedy, but okay, yeah, maybe there is a path there. Here's the hard thing. We are comfortable with the wide road because we know where it's heading. We know a lot of people have walked down it. 
maybe we can see again the destination at the end, the skyscrapers popping up. We don't like the other path because I don't know where this is going. Is this path going to stop deep in the woods and then I'm lost? Is it going to be so overgrown that at some point I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not even on the path. And we're like, we are afraid of that. And we could keep on asking Jesus, if we're following him, like, Jesus, I'm trying to follow you, but where are you, where is this going? Where are you taking me? Where's the destination? And I feel like what God wants us to understand is it's like Jesus would turn to us and say, a view of little faith, like I'm the destination. I'm what you're trying to get towards. So if you, as long as you keep following me, you are where you're supposed to be. Don't worry about if this is leading to a waterfall or a cliff face or something. No, 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 don't worry about that. If you are following me, you are where you're supposed to be. And so what happens is we have these cultural values around success that it's about reputation. So the higher up you are, the better you are. So you can't just be your run-of-the-mill volunteer ministry worker. Hey, that's nice. Thank you for your, your service. That's great. But the lead passer or the, the guy who's been invited to conventions or like that is celebrated. We are all about accomplishments and outcomes. We got to show something for our work. So our church can't be small. Like if it's small, that's failing. It has to be bigger. And we have to have multiple services and we have to have multiple churches. Or, you know, you can't just write something in a blog. Like you're not successful till you've written a book and that that book's a bestseller and you're being invited into all these places to share your book and you've got multiple, right? Like, and these things can be used by God. But when those become the things that we're walking towards, we're just on that wide road. And so a lot of people who were well-meaning, who genuinely desired to follow God, to seek God, to serve God with their life, at some point stopped watching Jesus and missed him walk off the road into what looked like ruin and kept on walking on what made sense. And the more you do that, the more you end up feeling like you've got to protect that. And the more it's going to cost you when you inevitably have to change, right? Because if you built up this giant church and then one day you really hear God saying, I never told you to do that and I need you to shut the doors. That's gonna look even more like loss and failure than if at the start of it, when Jesus went off the path, you're like, Jesus, that looks, that's gonna make me look like I failed a little bit if I don't start this ministry. Like Jesus could be saying, hey, trust me on this one. If you go down that path and build out this big thing, you're, it's going to be gone anyways, whether you have to close it or it's taken from you and you're going to look like even more than a failure. Like, trust me on this one. So we've got to step back and ask the question, when it comes to God, how am I defining success? And this is the answer for me. The answer for me is in any given choice, in any given out, uh, action, in any given podcast episode, have I, to the best of my ability, tried to seek God with it, tried to give it to God. And I say to the best of my ability because I am human and there will be times where I think I'm doing that, <laughs> but I'm not. And that's an opportunity for humility and growth. But in any given moment, am I trying to seek God? And it's, we have this fear that God is looking for the specific right and wrong actions, right and wrong choices. God, what do you want me to do with my life? Who am I supposed to be? Where am I supposed to work? Who am I supposed to marry? Where am I supposed to live? God, tell me the right answers. God's not trying to get us to crack the code and find the exact set of right things. His desire in every single decision is for us to be in relationship with him, for us to seek him for those things. And whether we choose the right or wrong answer isn't the successful thing. It's 
But did I try to seek God with that? And in the times that we get it wrong, we make a choice that was not the best choice, I believe God will still look at us and say, but I know that you were desiring to follow me. This is why Jesus didn't write off the disciples. Remember, Peter rebuked Jesus. Jesus could have said, you know what? I'm done with you, Peter. I've had too many issues with you and you clearly don't get it. And now you're coming at me, you're out. Like, no, he didn't do that because he knew that even when Peter was rebuking Jesus, it's because Peter loved Jesus and wanted the best for what was going on. He just was holding on to his own understanding a little too tightly. Jesus loved him and understood, and he made a way. Even after Peter said that he would die for Jesus, and then when the opportunity came, he ducked out. Like, Jesus was on the seashore making some fish for him for breakfast and said, come on, do you love me? Then feed my sheep, right? It's okay if we mess up. It's okay if we're not enough. It's okay if we get things wrong because the invitation isn't to avoid all that. The invitation is to take a step towards God as best we can. And then whether we land or fall, we get up and we keep on stepping towards God. Yes. Um, A verse that came to mind was uh, Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is like a faithful in my faith, my journey with God. It was actually a verse that my mother had me memorize as mm. a child. Like even before, even before I memorized my phone number and my address, she had me and my sister memorize Psalm 23, word for word. She would have us say it before we left the house in the morning for school and before we went to sleep at night. And I still do that every single day. Um, and the particular line, uh, you lead me on the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And righteousness to God can look like a lot of different things to us. Like for us, it could be uncomfortableness. For us, it could be being exposed. Um, or we may feel like we're getting exposed and it's like, oh, but my imperfections are going to show, um... Like the the fact that I'm not talented at this is gonna show, and we kind of see that narrative a lot for like a lot of different people in the Bible. You brought up the example of Moses, how he just made up excuses off the bat. Oh, I have a stuttering problem. I'm not good at speaking. I have confrontation is not my thing. I can't do it. And then God was like, Did I ask you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty much like, did, did I ask you? No. Like, I what I predestine in you, you may not see it, but I do. And as long as I see it, and as long as I say it's there, then you're going to fulfill the calling that I have for your life. And I think if we all just kind of like tune into that, that because we, we will never be perfect. We will never be perfect. We're human. We're not, we're not meant to be perfect but we serve a perfect God we serve a God where there is no blemish in him there is no imperfection in him everything about him is just righteous and holy and beautiful and for people who may be listening that is like oh like I don't know how like this God y'all talking about he ain't gonna like me 
like <laughs> there, there, there's a lot of things about me like I I done messed up today I lied this morning I cursed I, I drink a whole bunch of alcohol to the point that I got drunk last night and God is like I still love you I still love you and that's a concept that is like I still have to remind myself even now that is like he loves us because he loves us because he loves us because he loves us and that is like mm-hmm. all that matters at the end of the day and yeah. we are called for great things whatever those things whatever those things are because not everyone has the same calling not everyone has the same set of gifts which is a beautiful thing because if we all had the same destiny like if we all had just like the same kind of outcome it wouldn't really be that interesting. Like, would it be good for us that we're walking what God called us to do? Yes, but it's like, the way God works, again, we would never understand it, but it's like how they say God works in mysterious ways. Mm-hmm. And he has his way of doing things. And like, even if we messed up on our own, or if something like a pandemic happens, God is like, there's no failure in God so God is just like okay like it's like he has a plan for like every letter of the alphabet and even letters of the alphabet that don't even like exist that is like okay this happened so it's like okay the pandemic happened but I still have this plan for your life you're gonna do this this and this instead mm-hmm. and yeah like if people just understand it's like he's he's literally holding us in his hands and that's the reason why it's like we may have felt like we've fallen so many times but we fell but we didn't fall into a pit because we fell into God's hands instead of a pit Mm -hmm. that's why we're still here yeah yeah and again it comes back to the that question of what is it that we assume God's trying to do for our life or wants to do for our life or what does life need to look like because our minds very much are trained on the way that things work is that my life is supposed to be as happy and comfortable and secure as possible like that's the the baseline and any deviation from that is an issue now here's what's hilarious about psalm 23 is it's very popular psalm right a lot of people like this psalm but how we understand the psalm more often than not is okay god's gonna take care of me like that's that's our takeaway is you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Like in our minds, it's all about the sheep gets that the best life possible. The sheep's living its best life right now. And that's that's what the message is. No, like that, that sheep also is invited to walk through a shadow of death, is invited to have a table prepared in the presence of its enemies. Like, like this isn't, we can think of these hardships. We can think of valleys as whoopsies from God. Like, oh man, God must've blinked. And then this thing happened and he didn't know. Uh, like any hardship is something that wasn't supposed to happen. Every hardship is something that's supposed to be avoided because it gets in the way of that baseline of the happy, comfortable, secure life. But God is after abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. Jesus came so that we could have full life, not the life we are living now, full life. And God is thinking of us in terms of eternity. 
because he made it clear in scripture, all this other stuff's gonna fade away. All of it's gonna fade away, but we're holding on to it so tight. We don't wanna lose it. He's like, that's gonna fade away. And so, you know, it doesn't matter how broken somebody feels or how messed up their life is, because every single moment is an opportunity to stop and recognize what God is actually inviting us into, who he actually is. And, you know, we talked about that passage about the apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, and that that emphasizes the idea of the body, because like what you're talking about, if we were all the same, there's scripture that says, well, if the body was all ears or body was all eyes, like it wouldn't work. Like the, the, the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. When we think about our own physical bodies, it is working at its optimal amount when all the body parts are there and healthy and working well, right? And when someone has had experience losing a body part, they also know how that now impacts or limits life. And what if, while we're sitting here trying to figure out how to use God to make our lives happy and comfortable and secure, what if God's like, but you're missing it. The full life I have for you is not about your life working the way you think it should work. It's about all of you being a body together. All of you coming to know me together because when you are functioning as a full body together, that is when you're gonna discover the stuff that you could never have gotten to your own. Like we're called in scripture multiple times to love God and love others, which means that we were designed to be in relationship with God and to be in relationship with others, not to be silos, but community is how we are actually built to function. And so maybe the opportunity for us, maybe success for us, maybe full life for us is to begin to function as that body, even with people we don't like, even with our enemies, right? Even with people we disagree with, even if people that have hurt us, even with people that we think are making bad decisions. What if the invitation here is to see people as God sees them, made in the image of God, to engage with them as Jesus demonstrated, that he loved even when Pharisees are like, hold up, that's a sinner, don't eat with him. Hold up, don't talk to him. Nope, no, Jesus loved. And then you just keep on taking those steps of obedience. How might life be different when we're not in and of ourselves on our own, but we are experiencing life in connection with God and through the power of what God can do through others? To um, add on to the point of obedience, um, when we last talked, you had shared a very beautiful story of an experience you had with your son, um, where you were out just trying to, you were trying to exercise the gift of just like, okay, like who does God want me to talk to? And yeah, just the story that you shared about your son was just beautiful to me and shows like what obedience is, is, and I would love yeah. to share that story with. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, take learning to take steps of obedience is something that God's been inviting me for, to for a few years, and I've had the privilege of God walking me through some pretty significant steps of obedience, like staying in a really toxic work environment that I was like, I want to go, but God said, I want to invite you to stay. Of trusting God when I ended up losing that job without ever being given reason of trusting God when he invited me into unemployment for six months, that he would be provider, of trusting God when he invited me to step into full-time ministry that would be fully support-based and I wouldn't get a paycheck, of trusting God when my wife felt like I was inviting her to do that, and then inviting our family to do what's called a family discipleship training school through YWAM, 
which was going to be five months where we would leave our home and we would go somewhere else and have three months of lectures and then two months of living it out through serving in other places. So our whole family did this. It's a step of obedience, right? We left our home. We didn't have the money for it. We had to trust God. So you would think that I would be this super Christian now who would just always be walking in obedience. Nope. <laughs> and it's funny how oftentimes that's revealed in the small ways. And so one of the things that we are trying to learn is how do we learn to hear the voice of God and how do we learn to respond? And there's this thing they called, because they incorporated the kids, they wanted to make it fun. So they called it a treasure hunt. And the idea was imagine that everyone that God's created is a treasure to him. And he wants us to find that treasure and he wants us to interact with that treasure. So what you're going to do is as a family, you're going to take some time just to pray and say, hey, God, is there anyone that you want us to interact with? Anyone you want us to see? Uh, anything you want to give us, go for it. And then we just sit and listen. And anything that pops in our mind, we write it down. And it could be a little confusing and weird at first because you're like, all right, the color blue popped in my mind, but is that just me or because I'm wearing a blue shirt? Like my kids were notorious for saying what was on their clothes. I'm like, man, they're just saying that because that's what was on their clothes. So I'm pretty sure this day, and I can look back at a picture later to find out, but I think my son was wearing a blue shirt. So when he said blue shirt, I was like, man, that's not God, that's him. He's he's only what, four or five, so he doesn't know. Uh, and then he said gray hair. I actually had this face pop in my mind of some old man. And I'm like, I don't know, this is God. This might just be my imagination, but I sketched it out. And then we walked down. Now, my son was having a hard time with the transition. So he didn't want to go and he's starting to throw like a tantrum and, so it's off to a rough start. Then it's starting to rain. So we're like, great, we had to do this in the rain. We got to go and talk to people in the rain. We, ah. So I'm already, my, my adulthood, my, my smart adult mind is already making all the excuses why this isn't going to work, why we shouldn't do this, why we just got to call it because we got young kids. Let's just go home, put them down for naps. Well, I see this guy walking by, this older guy, and he's pretty close to the picture I had sketched but not exact. So my human mind is like, well, that's that's not him. Like that can't be him. No, but is it? But what if it is? What if I don't talk to him? And nah, but it's like, I'm going through this whole thing until finally he's gone. Like I, I talked myself into a circle, he's gone. My wife, she wrestled with talking to someone. She's like, I think this, I saw this, I saw a hat and this person's wearing this type of hat. And, and then that person, when my wife was like, hey, we're doing this thing and wanted to see if, if there's anything you need prayer for. And the person just rudely said, no and walked off and she's like well that must not have been god and like we're just wrestling and then it's down for it we're it's done like we're almost at the end of time let's just call it early then my my son just starts losing his mind oh my gosh oh my gosh there she is that's her and there across the street through the downpour is a woman wearing a blue shirt with gray hair and all i could think is it's pouring down rain so we're not gonna walk out the rain we're not gonna make her come to us like so I, I was like, but I we're we're trying to seek God. So I talked to my son. I was like, oh, here's the here's the compromise. All right, hey bud, how about we pray that she'll come to us, and then we'll know that it's God. Like, let's pray that she'll come to us. My son's like, nope, not about that nonsense. He grabs me and starts trying to pull me into the rain. Now I had stalled just enough that she's too far for us now. That doesn't stop my son. So my son's pulling me. We're going to the rain. I'm telling my wife to just stay back. We got this, and we're going down the road. My young five or something year old son, downpour rain, chasing this lady we don't know because she's got a blue shirt and gray hair. <laughs> and I'm like, there's no way we're gonna reach her. She's too far. Well, wouldn't you know it, 
a truck starts trying to pull back out of a parking spot in the downpour. And this couple, the old woman and her husband, like stop to weigh the truck out long enough for us to catch up to him. And wouldn't you know it, right where we catch up to him, there's a hotel with a large overhang. So we're able to step out of the rain really casually. And then it's the next step. I gotta tell him this weird thing we're doing where we prayed and God showed us. So we're like, hey, this might sound weird, but we're with YWAM and we're doing this thing. And I shared the thing and they, they just start smiling and they're like, we really do need prayer right now because our daughter's going through this thing and we need, you know, we would love for you to pray for this. And, and, and there's this just beautiful interaction where my son and I are able to pray for this couple. And there's this encouragement all because my son had the willingness to believe that God could speak and the obedience to step towards what he thought God was saying. The five-year-old did this. The 30-something-year-old made excuses, tried to get out of it. But the five-year-old was just crazy enough to believe that God could speak, that God could show him something, and that God could work even if he had to run through the downpour. And so in life, that's what we do. Maybe we have a desire to hear from God, but once it starts to get a little weird, once it starts to get confusing, once there are downpours in our lives and we're like, well, this is not working out. Once we get the no, like, it doesn't take much to knock us off track, but the big stuff can definitely knock us off track. But my son practiced stepping into the downpour, into the unknown. And that's the beautiful thing about God is he is real. He is active. And anytime we take a step of obedience like that, even if it does seem like it's into the torrential downpour, like God's not gonna be like, ha a psych tricked you. Or he's not gonna be like, oh, that's on you. Like he's gonna be there. It's like when Peter was walking on the water, if he had just trusted Jesus just a little bit longer to take that next step, his foot would have landed, right? Like his foot would have landed, but that to him seemed like ruin. That to him seemed like foolishness. That to him felt like a death sentence. And so he didn't take that next step. But he had already proven by taking all the steps before that, that he could have. Like he already had all the evidence he needed. All that was left was a step of faith that even if it didn't make sense, even if he didn't know if his foot was gonna land, he's still gonna step towards Jesus because Jesus is right there standing on the water. <laughs> and even though this is the good news for us though, even when he didn't, and even when he sank, Jesus reached out and pulled him up. We don't have to get this right. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to hear God accurately every time. We don't have to make all the right steps of obedience. We just have to be willing to keep on stepping. And when we mess up, know that God loves us so deeply that he's going to be right there for us. Um, to kind of uh, wrap up, what is something you would say to the people who, who are wrestling with that, who are wrestling with like their inner child that they see as imperfect or that they're not good enough or that they feel like they're not good at anything like there's no there's not a talented bone in their body um what would you say to those people and also how would you encourage them to be able to let god into their life so that they can see like oh like I saw you, like you were there, God. I didn't know it was you, but it's like, now I see that it was you. What would you say to those people? Yeah, 
I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind very, very loudly is just the phrase, here I am. And I want to push it in two different ways. It comes, you see it in scripture a lot. One example is in scripture when Samuel, uh, God starts calling to Samuel and he comes up and he's like, "Ah, here I am. He thinks it's Eli talking to him. But the idea is this. So the first piece of it is here I am in the sense of come as you are. It's kind of like, here I am. This is, this is what I got. Right. And the invitation there is the world tells us that you've got to be all put together. You've got to have all your things worked out. You've got to be presentable. You've got to look your best before you can put yourself out there. If you go to a job interview, you better be wearing your best clothes, have your best lines already prepared in your mind. Like you got to, everything's got to be great. And if you're less than that, like there are people in the world that will avoid going into a place because their clothes are dirty or because they feel like they're looked down on. And this is actually how the world works, sadly, that you are often judged if you don't look your best, if you don't act your best, if you don't have the best life situation. That's how the world works. That's not how God works. Because God already knows you. God made you. God already knows your situation. He sees you right now. He's inviting you as he's looking at you in your rough, rough situation, in your depravity, in your all that kind of, all the stuff you're throwing out as excuses why you can't yet come to God. So the invitation is to drop that nonsense that you have to make yourself right before you can come to God, that you have to get all the sin out of your life before you can come to God, that you gotta look good. No, 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 no. Come like the woman who when the one guy was given his gift to the temple and it's like this big gift, he's like, ah, look how much I've given. And then she comes and just gives two coins and gets laughed at because she just gave two coins. No, no, no. She gave what she had. And Jesus is like, that's, that's who you need to look at and follow. Or the Pharisee who had these amazing words, ah, I'm praying to God, look how eloquent I am. And then there's the one that's like, have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. Jesus is like that, that authentic person came as he was. He was authentic. Just here I am, just come as you are. God has already, already accepted you because he's standing at the door knocking. You're the one making excuses, but he's there. He's ready for it. He sees it. He says, bring it on. I could take the worst you can offer. Come on, bring it on. And then that's the second piece of here I am, is the actual presentation of yourself. It's not just acknowledging, accepting the place that you're in now, but it's saying, and therefore I'm saying to God, here I am. And and honestly, that is your that can be a first step for anyone that's in that place is just saying that simple prayer, three words to right now, take a deep breath and authentically with, with, with your heart, just be like, all right, God, here I am. The implication of that is you're inviting God in. Now, if you want to take the prayer further, say, here I am, God, I want you to be a part of my life. I want to, I want to serve like you can, you can take, but if that's, if you don't have the words for any of that and all you've got is here I am, just, just do that because it's that first step that opens the door for every other step. And even if it seems like a small step, I could take right now, I could start taking micro steps, but you give me enough time, one day I'll look back and see that I've walked miles. But in the moment I could feel like I'm not getting anywhere. This is such a tiny step that I haven't accomplished it. Look at that person. He's, he's yards, he's miles ahead of me. No, no, no. Don't worry about other people. Don't worry about your assumption of where you should be. Like, don't, don't compare yourself to anything. Live in this current moment and say in this current moment, I'm going to take the next step towards God that I can, even if it's small, even if it's timid, and even if I don't think my foot's going to land, 
because I want to choose to believe, even if I don't believe it right now, I want to choose to believe that God is God and God is good and that he's walking with me, that he is behind, with, and ahead of me, and that he'll catch me if I fall. And because God is God and God is good, even if we don't believe it, when he does it, suddenly our faith is going to muster a little more and we're going to be a little bolder on that next step and we're going to keep on stepping. And again, one day we'll look back and we'll be in a completely different place. And it won't be because of ourselves or our own efforts, but because God loves us and chooses to work through us. Absolutely. Amazing. Um, how I actually want to close out the episode, well, one, before what I before what I want to do to close out the episode, where can people find you? Where can they follow you? How can they know more about you, what you do with your family, your ministry? Where can people go to find out that information? Yeah, the easiest place is www.wheredidyouseegod.com. And from there, you can find the podcast, which the podcast is available wherever you listen to podcasts. So you can search Where Did You See God there. But there's also things that I've written. There's also videos that I've made. And there is a free resource. If somebody is looking for a way to get more into scripture, but it's hard or confusing, or, and specifically, if you've been avoiding the book of Revelation, uh, God gave me an invitation last year to write a devotional on Revelation, which I didn't want to read. So it's called A Journey Through Revelation for the Person Who Doesn't Want to Read Revelation. And in 30 days, it walks you through in an accessible way to not figure out what Revelation means, but to be willing to listen to God to find out what Revelation could mean for you. And so that's free. It's also on Amazon, but this isn't about money. So if you don't want to pay money and you want to download the free PDF, go for it. Uh, but that's there and you can also reach me through that um but yeah my main hope in all of that is not to say haha here's my content it's god has invited me to use these gifts of creativity to create spaces to process him and to process alongside others and that's my invitation is if you are looking for ways to process who god is to press into the hard questions to sift through the confusing things i want to create a space where you can do that and hopefully that's what all of this is becoming Yes, beautiful. Um, now, how I want to close this out is, if you don't mind kind of leading in prayer for the call to people that, that they want to see God in the way that you describe them, just like saying, like, here I am. If you wouldn't mind leading us in prayer for those people. Absolutely. Father God, I just want to thank you that you are God and you are good. And that reality is true, whether we understand it, whether we see it, whether we see it reflected in our lives. Um, you are God and you are good and you are God and good for everyone listening right now. And so I want to pray sp specifically for those that are in a hard place, that feel like they're in that valley, that feel like they are surrounded by their enemies and that feel so distant and, and so alone. I thank you that the reality is, is that they're not alone, but I want to acknowledge that that feeling is very real and heavy. And so I pray that you would just give them the, that you would just speak wisdom to know that even if they feel alone, even if they feel hopeless, even if they feel like they've got nothing left to offer, that you can give them just that little bit more capacity to take that next step. I pray for those next steps. I pray that you would just put a boldness in everyone listening 
to take whatever little teeny next step they can towards you, but that that allows them to not just move a little closer to you, but to begin to see you more fully. I pray against any lies into their identity, lies that they're saying they're not good enough or that they are the problem or that they're a mistake. I pray against those lies. I pray that instead today they would hear, even if just one moment, um, a bit of how you see them. I pray that they would just sense that so clearly that it keeps them from spiraling. Um, But I pray that you would also break all of us from this idea that it's all about fixing everything and it's all about doing our own thing and being independent. I pray that you would give all of us an opportunity to press a little more into what it means to function as a body, to release success, to embrace your foolishness instead, knowing that you are actually abundant after abundantly more than we could ask or imagine. But yeah, I just, my heart, I, I just feel for everyone that is in that place because I know that place and I've been in that place and I continue to be in that place at times of not knowing how in the world to make any movement or to get any joy, but you are a God who is God and good. And so I pray that today they would get a glimpse of that in their lives. I just pray in holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. Yeah. And thank you to everyone that watched, listened, or if you did both, thank you. Um, you can find Kintsugi Talks Podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Anchor. Again, thank you to Paul for being an amazing guest. And please make sure to find him at God. Please go. Um, I'm definitely going to listen to the Revelation resource because that's a book that I I, I don't like to read. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but I find that the parts of the Bible that we don't like to, to read are the parts of the Bible that we personally need to read the most. Mm. That's, that's how I find for me. Like the book of Job was a book that I hated to read and now it's become one of my favorite books. Yeah. Yep. All right. So until then, God bless.